a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. There's a variety of challenges that lie ahead for Utah and for the country, some of which are already plaguing us possible recession, continual drought, partisanship, distrust that we talked about last hour, international threats, and there's plenty more. Uh, there's also a lot of growth going on, individual citizens as a nation, and of course, we have all kinds of growth challenges here in the state of Utah. And wherever you are right now, just settle in. Uh, you are about to experience the the ultimate in upper level dialogue and conversation. Uh, so pleased to have joining us in the studio today, two of the smartest minds on the planet. Uh, we have Natalie Gochner, who of course is the associate dean in the David Eccles School of Business and director of the Kemsey Gardner Policy Institute, and the great Arthur Brooks, uh, who is a professor at the Harvard Kennedy School uh, and is a contributor to The Atlantic, host of How to Build a Happy Life podcast, author of a gazillion books, and uh, is the former president of the American Enterprise Institute, which I think one time we talked about as the American Intertube uh, <laughs> <laughs> Institute. Uh, and uh, grateful to have both of you in the studio today. Great to see you. Hi, Boyd. Great to see you. All right. And uh, Natalie, let me start with you. Okay. Uh what did you do to drag this guy back to the state? He he is Utah's favorite Catholic. Catholic. We've established that over years and oh, years. Oh, come on. You say that to all the Catholics. <laughs> Tell well, us about it. Well, you know, uh, President Randall, our new president at the University of Utah, has uh, set a high bar for the university to be a top 10 public university with unsurpassed societal impact. And mm. one of the ways he wants to do that is to sign impact scholars who come to the university and that we share with the community, we share with our students, share with faculty, business leaders, community leaders. And Arthur Brooks is an impact scholar now at the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute. Uh, that is a uh, that is a great announcement. That is great for the state of Utah. And uh, Arthur, give me a response to that. That's delighted awesome. to do it. I mean, any opportunity to come to Utah is a good <laughs> opportunity. But this is the best. I mean, the, the Gardner Institute is is the, one of the really premier institutions in public policy, um, distinguishing itself nationwide. And and the University of Utah is taking its place among the great state universities in America. So why wouldn't I want to come here and be part of the growth, be part of the future of, of higher ed and good good local policy analysis? Yeah, fantastic. And uh, Natalie, let's talk about what we're actually going to be talking about while he's here, this uh, initial round here. Uh, growth is on the agenda. What does that look like? You're talking about our growth of the state. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, we, we say at the Gardner Institute that growth is our constant companion. We are the fastest growing state from 2010 to 2020. We continue to see in-migration. Um, our birth rate uh, is lower than it used to be, but still you know, among the highest in the nation. Yeah. And so this is a state that has to grapple with growth and actually has the opportunity 
to um, respond to growth challenges. Yeah, I think that's such a, an important thing of how we grow, I think, is is so important. How do we do it in a sustainable way? How do we really uh, look around corners, uh, I think, is the real test in a growing state like we have. And uh, so, Arthur, as you look at a, an issue like that in terms of growth, obviously that sounds good because there's a lot of places in the country uh, who have the opposite of right. that. Uh, how do you see it? And what are the things that Utah should be thinking about when it comes to growth? The key thing for a place like Utah to look at is what, what does the state want to be in 10 years? I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Instead of where do we want to be in one year, you know, what do we want our growth rate to be? What do, we, what do we want the state to look like? What do you want the state to look like in 10 years? And how would that be good for the state and how would that be good for the United States of America? And that doesn't just mean economic growth. That means what is it going to be doing environmentally where you can have a real competition of ideas and it's not just dominated by these factions and you know crazy populism and you know a deep conversation for people who love the state. What is it – what should it look like politically? How should be people treating each other? What is a forward-looking, high-growth, high-prosperity, high-opportunity place look like? I mean – and have this conversation locally. I mean, you can do this. Many places can. You can say, hey, you know, what should America be in the future? How could America be better than it currently is? Well, let's see what that means for Utah and let's make it happen here. That's the seems to me the right conversation. Yeah, and we often try to talk about it in the context of Utah not just being a crossroads of the West, but a crossroads to the world with everything from Silicon Slopes to the southern end of the state and everything in between. And Natalie, as you look at that, you've, you've been in the middle of so many of those conversations uh, about that kind of growth and that kind of impact, uh, which may have been kind of a colloquial pipe dream in the beginning. Uh, but more and more people are coming here to say, how'd you do that? And how will you do that moving forward? Yeah. Well, I think it's important for listeners to know that as we grow, we change. Yeah. And Utah is urbanizing. Uh, Utah is uh, rapidly growing. Utah is diversifying you know, racially, ethnically, yeah. uh, we're becoming much less um, rural and much more urban. And as you think of these tra- these trends of diversifying, urbanizing, growing, those are things that um, you have to be really careful about to preserve the good things that you all have yeah. and then also to be a land of opportunity for the new things that await. And yeah. I, I would credit uh, our governor, our local elected leaders, our business leaders for having a very forward-thinking uh, uh, vision for our state. Yeah. Arthur, you've been involved in a yeah. boatload of policy conversations uh, during your time at AEI and, and in our nation's capital. As you look at kind of the policy conversation around this kind of vision is of Utah as a crossroads to the world. What are the, the policy conversations? You, you kind of hinted at it. How do we get past the, the fake fights and the false choices on something like environment uh, in the midst of that kind of growth? It starts with leaders who are who are actually willing to make a commitment not to insult each other, uh, com- leaders who are willing to, to have a big conversation with people with whom they disagree. The key thing for any free society and prosperous society is a competition of ideas. And this is something that all of us – look, I'm a political conservative. I believe in competition. Political competition, I love democracy. 
economic competition. I love capitalism. But the most important of all in a prosperous, forward-looking society is a competition of ideas where we can listen to each other and learn from each other. And, and this is a good state for that, I have to say. I mean you have two very good senators. You have a, a, a governor who's distinguishing himself nationwide as somebody who's willing to listen to people with whom he disagrees and not insult them and you know, say that they're stupid and evil. You know, we shouldn't actually have to have that as our standard of, of, of decent behavior, but that's really key because you simply can't make progress if you can't have an, uh, a conversation with people with whom you disagree. People think of Utah as being sort of monolithic politically, but that's simply not true. There are all different ways of thinking. When I come here, I have very interesting conversations, much more so than when I go to California, when mm-hmm. I go to New York, when I go to many other places. I find that Utah has more political and ideological diversity than most places that I go. I mean, you have you know, Salt Lake City is very different than the, the state of Utah. Um, there's good leadership all over the place, and, and that's, that's going to be the key. How are we going to learn from the people with whom we disagree going forward? That's the most important question. Yeah, uh, easy to shout talking points at uh, your enemies, uh, much, much harder to turn around to your friends and say, let's, let's actually talk about the ideas, let's get to the policy. Uh, Natalie, one of the things that I love about what you do, uh, especially at the uh, Kempsey Gardner Institute, is get to the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as you look at the growth component, what is the data really telling us and what conversation should that be sparking based on the data, not just on the politics? Well, I think one overriding trend is we are aging, right? We are getting older. The baby boom is aging. The median age is, is, is getting up there. And that changes everything. That changes how you get around. It changes your health sector. changes what people mm. purchase. Uh, it changes uh, – Arthur, you'll appreciate this, but it changes our obligation to serve. Right. right, because seniors uh, have different needs, yeah. and uh, so you know what I would say to listeners is open your minds to a Utah that is changing, and think about how you can be a part of that change and direct it in a way that is the kind of state you want to live in. Yeah, and that is the, really the question: What is the state that we want to live in, and what does that look like, and what is the impact on the rest of the country? Uh, and so, how do we get to that conversation? Yeah, I mean, how, how do we get? How does how does Utah? Um, show the way for the rest of the country. And the answer is through prosperity and growth and success. Mm. That's the key. Everybody wants to be like the winner. And so the key is, how is Utah going to win? Now, now the way to not win is by being sucked down to the same kind of battles as everybody else and of, of the, the culture of contempt, of hatred, of insult, of in, in, an inability to, to love the people with whom you disagree. Mm. But Look, if you can stay on this trajectory, if you can grow in a smart way, if you can continue to be an opportunity society where everybody wants to live, and how could you not want to live here? There's a ton of jobs. There's a great environment. There's a wonderful – I mean, look around. Salt Lake City. How could you not want to live here? Making sure that that is the case, living up to that, and, and then you, you don't have to convince anybody. I mean, they'll look at this and say, wow, you know. I mean, in New York and Albany, it'll be like, if only we could be a little bit more like Utah. That is how you lead. Yeah, that's a good day. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to do what Albert Einstein said we should do. That is not be smarter than anyone else. Just be willing to stay with the question just a little longer. We're going to stay with two people who stay with questions very long and always elevate the conversation. Stick around. We'll be right back on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back. We're going to stay with the conversation just a little bit longer because we rarely get this kind of firepower uh, in the building. And to have both our friend Arthur Brooks and our friend Natalie Gochner uh, in the house is a, is a real treat for me. 
Uh, one of the things we always try to do on this show is is stay curious uh, about all kinds of ideas and all kinds of things. And Arthur, you you made a uh, what many people would call a, a student body left, student body right career move, yeah. uh, leaving uh, AEI and heading to Harvard. And you're part of this amazing uh, study now, this new science of happiness. Give right. us some perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a social scientist. So before I was the president of AEI, which for listeners, that's a big think tank in Washington, D.C. I was an academic. I taught at Syracuse for a long time. And, you know, I'm a PhD, social scientist, and I study human flourishing, well-being. That's, that's really what I'm all about, and behavior stuff. And so when I left the think tank doing public policy and politics and all that, I went back to my roots, and I thought, you know, we got a big happiness crisis on our hands. You know, the, the pursuit of happiness is in the Declaration of Independence, for Pete's sake. I mean, the founders said that this is one of our unalienable rights with life and liberty is to be able to pursue our happiness, which is super radical. There's no other country in the history of the world where, you know, you're guaranteed the right to – not – the right to happiness, but to pursue your happiness. And, and, and we're messing it up. I mean, if you look at the data, um, just since 2000, twice as many people, twice as, as a percentage of the population say they're not happy as did then. And only half as many say that they're very happy about their lives. So something's going wrong. And I thought, hmm, you know, I'm going to be teaching the next generation of leaders. I teach MBA students at Harvard Business School. I mean, they're going to lead companies and many of my students are going to become politicians. So, yeah, let's, 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 let's revive this science of happiness. And it's one of the most popular classes at the Harvard Business School at this point is how to be happier and how to bring more happiness to other people. That's what I'm teaching these days. Yeah, that's a uh, it is a fascinating shift and it is integrated. Uh, and it's interesting if you go back to those founders and those founding documents, uh, they really believe that that pursuit of happiness could only be achieved through virtue, discipline, and service. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. As opposed to, I don't know, hallucinogens, <laughs> um, easy money, and you know whatever. I mean, it's no. I mean, the truth is that all the old knowledge is, is, is pretty sound, um, but I do work on the habits of the happiest people. Um, by the way, Utah is always either number one or two in happiness in the United States. Always number one or two, actually always number one in charitable giving, and there's, it's a non-trivial connection. When I look at the 10,000 studies that have been written on the habits of the happiest people, you need to boil the ocean of all that data. I've read that stuff, Boyd, so you don't have to. Thank you. Um, there's, a, there's basically a happiness 401k plan that each of us needs to follow and, and that, in point of fact, a state like Utah could specialize in and show the way for the rest of the country. There's four habits for the happiest people. They're faith, family, friendship, and work that serves. That's it, man. I mean, it's like it's not. It's the world tells you money, power, pleasure, fame. Yeah. Um, it's not right. That's absolutely not right. Those are substitutes for the things that you truly crave and want. But faith, you know, and and different people have different faiths. People listening to us who have faith or no faith. The point is, is something elevated beyond yeah. your boring day to day existence of your narrow interests. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm a traditional Christian believer, and a lot of our listeners are as well. That's great because that's one of the key things. But you got to practice it and you got to practice it with love in your heart the second is is family life which is different for different people as well but we all know what it is one in six americans today is not talking to a family member because of politics which is complete insanity i mean it's a pride problem you're stepping over hundred dollar bills to get to nickels by not Mm -hmm. talking to aunt marge because she voted for trump or whatever (laughs) it's insanity and you know as irritating as aunt marge is going to be on thanksgiving because of her obnoxious political views um if you had a crisis uh, she'd take the 2 a.m. phone call. Right. We all know it's true. Friendship, you know, where the, this country's getting lonelier. The number of people people who have more than three close friends has declined by about 50% since about 1990. 
Um, and what this is is, you know, we have a lot of you know Facebook friends. We have a lot of deal friends. We don't have that many real friends. Yeah. And and that's critical, very very important for communities. And last but not least is work. We need to work and earn our success. We need to be rewarded for our hard work and personal responsibility. And we need to serve our fellow women and men. We yeah. need to serve our brothers and sisters. But if you get that stuff on point, faith, family, friends, and work. Which, by the way, sounds an awful lot like it could be in Latin on the flag of the state of Utah. Um, you get happiness. You yeah. get happiness, and you can show the way. Yeah, and it's so interesting how that all moves into the public square. Uh, really interesting studies. The, of course, the country I think is a center left to center right country right. of some sort, uh, and so many of those in that center left to center right have disconnected. From the political process because of the anger, fear, frustration mantra that goes on there. And they're out living their lives, having friends, serving in the community. And the interesting thing is that the way you pull them back in, you can't pull them back by talking about education reform or gun safety. Uh, it's either talking to them about community, compassion, self-reliance. Uh, or opportunity, flourishing, upward mobility. Yeah. Uh, and so how do we take this happiness quotient that you're digging into? Uh, how did we turn that into good public policy and things that will support it in civil society and in our communities? We talk to our public policymakers and have them make a public commitment to these values mm-hmm. and say, what, 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 is the purpose of our, what is the purpose of our politics? Well, because we want more faith, family, friends, and, and work that serves other people in our communities because this is what leads them to be able to pursue their happiness. And I'm going to get rid of public policies. I'm talking as if I'm running for governor um, of the state of Utah. <laughs> Nobody's asked for that, that's for sure. But I'm going to get I'd rid of that vote. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I like Spencer. Um, it's a, I'm going to I'm not I'm going to get public policies out that are get, get in the way of those things, because mm. too much of what we do in public policy gets in the way of the free expression of faith. It gets in the way of family formation that makes it harder for people to live in strong communities where they can have friendships and create disincentives to work, for goodness sake, which is so terrible for human dignity. So getting rid of those bad policies, doing no harm, making it easier for people to pursue those things. And if, you know, mayors and, 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 and look, I've talked to both your excellent senators about this, and they're completely on board um, about this as an agenda and being quite explicit about that. You know, I'm, we're the faith, family, friends, and work politicians. And that's what's going to re-engage people because that's that's aspirational. Yeah. This is not based on fear. This is not based on hatred. This is not trading insults. Uh, this is not vitriolic. This is using our values as a gift and not as a mm. weapon. Imagine yeah. that. Radical stuff. Radical stuff. Natalie, I'm going to shift back to you real quick uh, because we know uh, over the next 48 hours, uh, Arthur, you're going to be speaking to most of the legislature, you're going to meet with Mayor Mendenhall. You'll meet with uh, students up at the Hinckley Institute of Politics. I know you'll be down at UVU with some uh, students there, the Sutherland Institute. You're, you're making the rounds here in the state of Utah. But I'm going to ask you, Natalie, what do you hope the takeaway is from all of these conversations over the next 48 hours? We want to flourish as a state. And when we bring in an impact scholar like Arthur Brooks who can share his insights, his research on leadership, on happiness, on human flourishing, on well-being, it puts us in a situation to be better to make better decisions. And so this is about uh, a public university sharing a public intellectual with our community, and we're very pleased to do that from the University of Utah. Yeah, it is, and it is. uh, I love the fact that you're getting around the state a little bit into some important different groups uh, that all need to come together around this kind of flourishing. Uh, You've also got uh, your your latest book is one that I think is really significant for all of us because I actually think it ties to all the public policy because it's actually where we find meaning Mm. Uh, which is where flourishing really begins. Right. Yeah, I know. My, my latest book is called From Strength to Strength, which is, of course, taken from the 84th Psalm. 
Um, and there's a, an ancient Hebrew blessing, Michael el Chael, which means may you go. See, I'm a Catholic. That's all I know in Hebrew. So <laughs> that was good, though. Yeah, no, not bad, right? Um, it's it's a it's an ancient blessing that says that may you through the course of your life go from your strength to your strength. And the book is about you know what are our natural strengths? What are what can we actually bring to bear at different ages? And it's it's a you might say it's a happiness book for the rest of us, you know, those of us who are over fifty, but also for people who are younger who can make plans on how they can live the best, happiest life, serving other people. People loving fully, uh, you know, living their life to the to just to the to the most. Yeah, absolutely. Great insight as always. <clears throat> excuse me. Always a, a great privilege to have uh, Arthur Brooks and Natalie Gochner in the studio. And uh, Arthur, glad to have you here in the state of Utah. You always elevate the thinking uh, in a in a major way. Get us all reflecting just a little bit different uh, from what we tend to hear on the national news. Thanks, boy. It's great to be with you. I'm really delighted. I mean. You're having a big impact on this community, but I thought you've always had a big impact on me too. <laughs> well, we appreciate that, and we always appreciate the conversations and uh, the upper level thinking. Uh, dividing that rage from the reason and elevating the conversation is the name of the game. It is about bringing out those better angels uh, that we all have yeah. and we all need to deploy, uh, especially in times like these. Arthur Brooks, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, all right. Boyd. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.